in a world few have dared to explore. Two men set out on an epic journey to answer life's manliest questions. From the Fortress of Smoothitude in Lawrence, Kansas, it's The Gentleman Podcast with Glenn Stansberry and Brian McKinney. Welcome to the Gentleman Podcast. I'm Brian McKinney. I'm sitting to the left of the Kentucky Gentleman, Glenn Stansberry. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. <laughs> well, I, I, I said, sir. I, I do declare. That was quite an introduction. <laughs> it wasn't quite an introduction. Um, it's true, though, Glenn. You just returned from the Bluegrass State. I did. It was, it was quite a trip. There was um, laughter. Crying in the backseat of my car, two small children. So there actually was crying for hours. Yes, it was a long, it was a long trip, but well worth it. I got to see my good buddy Britt, who uh, is a good friend to both of us and a good friend of the show. Britt also provided uh, the the uh, beer that we're going to be rating on the show. Oh, okay. So All right. He has. A, so now you're shirking your responsibilities I and am. offloading them to your buddies. I am. I mean, you know, this. Is, I I would like to think of it as empowerment. I'm empowering right. them to right. have a hand in the show production. Okay. Okay. Um. So yeah, we we. But yeah, Kentucky was a good time. Went and saw you two perform um, at the Yum Center. Yum. No, Center. no. I'm sorry. That's the basketball arena. Right. Papa John. Papa John's. Papa John's stadium. stadium. And they did not disappoint. Football stadium, huh? Football. Yes. Yeah. It's outdoors. Uh, it's a great time. It's a good time. Good. Where were your tickets at? They were... Second row, first row? Uh, yeah, I, I got some sweat off Bono, I think. <laughs> uh, it was, uh, you know, I just had my arms spread wide. Um, no, we were we were about halfway up the bowl. Yeah. Um, kind of on a side. So not real close, but... Not terribly. Not, not, not nosebleeds. Yeah, yeah uh, they didn't. It was kind of odd because the first part of the show, they came out in this little stage in the middle of the field and played out there like without oh. any um, video on them. So mm. for guys like me in the cheap seats, uh, it wasn't. And, I, and I forgot my glasses, of right, course. So sure. yeah. I was like, was that Bono or is that? Uh, well, yeah. I think that was the opening band, Glenn. Oh, man. <laughs> I knew he sounded really good. Yeah. And young. Now, um, so yeah, it was a good show. Good, it was a really good show. Good time. Good. Um, yeah, and I came back. I came back home. Oh my! My uh, speaking of Brit, our good friend, he also managed to somehow procure um, some Cuban cigars. Hmm. Um, I, I can't. I can't divulge did you, did all you, of the details. Did you turn them into the authorities? Brit or the cigars? Brit. Oh, no, I didn't, um, because I really like the cigars. You didn't receive these cigars, did you? I mean, you, you took them, but you obviously oh. gave them, you just, like, put them away, put get, uh, left them somewhere. What I did was, when we got to the Kentucky border... Right, before you passed the border... I, I got out of the car and put them in the ground and right. said, here, they'll, somebody... They'll just, you know, yeah, break yeah. down, the rain will break them down. Yeah. Because, so. yeah, that makes sense. They didn't leave the state. Okay, that's good. So, he, knows, good. he knows a guy in the... Uh, Let's just call it the import-export business. Who? Uh, no. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm, I want to. I don't want to give away too much here. This could be a real sticky situation, real sticky yeah. wicket. But I'm, I'm starting to forget if they were. If you said. If you said they were Cuban or Peruvian. I said. Yeah. I said Peru. I said. I think uh, you said Peruvian now. Peruvian now that cigars. I'm thinking about it. I think that's what you said. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Okay. Well. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll be looking forward to trying those Peruvian. Uh, I guess cigars. Yeah, Brian. Well, what did I miss while I was gone? I mean, uh, not a whole lot. Did any, nothing happened. Nothing okay. real happened. Nothing okay. really. It was kind of your standard, um, standard week. Okay. Well, good. Um, and speaking of standard weeks, Glenn, we are co-founders of a site called Gentleman dot com. And in your standard week, there is tons. Ton, I mean, there's to, you don't want to wait a week in between visits to Gentleman because oh. you're going to have hours and hours and hours to make up. It's one of those things that you have to check. You know, every ten minutes or so, I'd want to. I'd say, um, what was a flappy, uh, flappy, flappy birds, yeah. flappy birds? Uh, that <laughs> that uh, you know that that game that was notorious for being addictive. That's pretty much what gentleman is. Except we don't care if you go there every five minutes, That's right? And you're addicted to it. Mm-hmm. We don't have. We don't mind. Mm-mm. That's not going to cause us any nope. uh, distress. Nintendo can sue us. That's right. We don't. Would nope. be the first time Nintendo nope. sued us. 
Um, that time we brought up the Nintendo Classic on the Genoa Podcast, they weren't very happy about that. Um, something about not being associated with us. I, I don't know. Our lawyers took care of it. Yeah, it was fine. We got a crackerjack team. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Glenn. Uh, so my, my point of that story was that I would suggest that you go out to visit gentleman.com. Yeah, it's a lot like, you know, when I was in school, Brian, uh, mm-hmm. there were there are two kinds of people, right? They're the people that cram for tests. They're the people that diligently studied every day. Right. And let me tell you who got better grades. Mm. I crammed, and there were, and I did not get as good grades. Right. But the people who studied every day, right. these are the same people. That's a good analogy. Th- th- this is how you should visit gentlemen. Right. Do you want a good life or a bad life? Right. That's the question. I mean, and if you want you, a good life, then... Do you, do you want a C-grade life or right. an A-grade life? Right. Mm-hmm. Go sometimes, for the A. Sometimes D+. plus. Sometimes D, yes. Sometimes incomplete. Um, because you know, one of the things that you'd be missing out on would be podcast.gentleman.com. Yes. Where you can follow along with previous episodes, all 115 earlier episodes. You can listen to every single one of them. You can find out 115 different beers that we've, that we've rated, mm-hmm. uh, the mustache for scale computer is rated. Um, you can follow along with the links, follow along with the links from this episode that we're going to talk about. Um, and much, much more. And uh, also, finally, if you want to get in touch with the Gentleman Podcast, you can do so by sending a letter to P.O. Box 442305, Lawrence, Kansas, 66044. We will get your letter. We will take it. We will snap it up on the Hall slash Wall of Fame, which we know is the Hall of Fame. We will talk about it on the Gentleman Podcast, and we might send you something back in return, just depending on the nature of the letter. Uh, we're going to run it through a proprietary machine learning AI computer to give us the, like, the overall sentiment of your letter. And if it's positive... Then we will, uh, then we will, we will return with with something back to you. Reuse machine learning. Yes. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Glenn, that's I don't want to get into all the nuts and bolts of how that all works. It's a very complicated mm. system, um, much like Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory or something like that. Um, so anyway, um, <laughs> moving on, Glenn. Now it's time for the media episode, which is the drink of the week. Drinks of the week. That's yeah. right, Brian. Well. Uh, first up, like I said, I traveled to Kentucky and, and had a and brought back a cornucopia of uh, beverages. Here. That's I would describe this as a cornucopia. Um, so, leading off, our, our that we will be, we will be reviewing this beer, and uh, yeah, it is the Kentucky Bourbon Barrel Ale. Excuse me, the Kentucky Bourbon Barrel Ale, and my buddy Britt when he pulled this out, he said, "Glenn, you have to try this." And I'm looking at it, and I don't see a logo of any kind. It's kind of nondescript. Hmm. And I asked him, what's, what's this distillery? He says, oh, it's Alltech. And I said, wait, Aflac? Yeah. No, no, Alltech. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, that's the name of the distillery. It's a, it's a brewing distillery. They repair PCs and make beer. They do, something like that. Okay. Uh, literally, is there some kind of story similar to that? Ah, okay. They, they kind of shifted gears like that. It hit, anyway, I don't remember it all. He told me after a couple of bourbon barrel ales, and so right. <coughs> these are almost nine percent alcohol, Brian. Mm. Um, okay. And I won't, I won't give too much away about the taste and everything. There's uh, 19 IBUs. It's not um, too bad on the IBU scale. Yep. The uh, it has flavors of vanilla and oak because the ale rests for six weeks in a freshly decanted bourbon barrel. Okay. From a local Kentucky distillery. So, All right. um, typically, <clears throat> what I will say about these beers is I shy away from them because right. they're usually really strong and powerful and just kind of yeah. um, heavy. But I found this one to be worthy of a putting it through the paces. You know, I'm just one man, but the gentleman proprietary mustache twist scale. Uh, it's like billions of people because it's machine learning. That's right. It's it's machine learned beers. So um, it looks like it looks like I'm gonna have to get one of these stem. It says like the stem glass. Yeah. So maybe I'll the snifter. Oh, you think we need a snifter? I think that might be the case. Okay. We gotta we gotta be fair about this because you know, can't be. Right. Gotta follow all the directions. All right. Well, I'll just vamp a little bit while Brian's. Uh, uh, oh, gee. Uh, well, let me look at some uh, food pairings here. Oh, good, Brian, you're back. You're back. Uh, okay, good. Whew. Uh, 
There you go. Thank you. Here, let me. Oh, this is. I like oh, oh my goodness whoa. gracious. <laughs> Alright, I'm just gonna hold my Okay. I was opening it for you, but. Oh, that was much smoother, Brad. Okay. Um, don't worry about it. All right, okay, well, let's pour these into these uh, snifters as prescribed. Now, there might be too much beer to... Gotta, I don't know how, if it'll be able to... We might have to make contain. two glasses yeah, of this, Brian. I don't know. I don't know. It's only 12 ounces, but I'm not sure how big these glasses are. Oh, there might, it's a little big, I think. Mm. Okay. Uh, all right, we got the we got the uh, Kentucky Burble bur- Burble 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 Burial Bubble. It's hard to say. Bourbon Barrel Aged. No, shoot. Kentucky Bourbon Barrel Ale Ale. Port. It's a sipping a sipping beer, uh, and it has won the a few awards actually. The 2014 World Beer Championships Silver Medal. Mm-hmm. So in some category, I'm sure. So, okay. Well, cheers. Uh, Let's cheers. Give it a try. Dink. <laughs> wow, that's that's like probably one of the most interesting ones that we've had. Yeah. It's buttery. It's like butter beer. I have no idea how to even describe this. It's like caramely sweet kind of vanilla. Yeah. Kind of like it. Mm-hmm. Does it taste like eight percent alcohol? Yes. Really? It does to you? I mean, it's it's one of those beers that you taste it, and it's like, oh, this is probably a very high alcohol. I mean, I don't taste the alcohol. Right. It's just it just tastes like one of those beers to me. That. Mm-hmm. But anyway, okay, Glenn. Well, uh, if you had to put an arbitrary rating on this beer, what would you uh, what would you what would you say about it? Well, I like the fact that it's very, very smooth for the high percentage of alcohol. Yep, that's true. Um, I like to taste. It's not. It's very malty. They're, well, it's yeah. not even. It's not even very malty. It's just. Uh, it's the opposite of hoppy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's not really that malty either. Yeah, I, li- I like it. I like it a lot actually. So, what would you? What would you? Uh, what would you? If you were gonna put a rating on it, what would you put Brian, it? I think I think I would give this guy. I think I think it would give it an eight point three. Eight point three. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. I I think it's I like it a lot. I think it's pretty good. I like I don't normally like this style of beer, mm-hmm. but uh, I have to give it an eight six. Mm-hmm. I think I think part of the thing for me is that I, I I've already had it a couple right. times. Yeah, so it's a little yeah. And it actually I think it tastes different and weirder in this class. I like it out of the bottle. So really. So next time when I'm in Kentucky. Or when Britt comes back to Kansas, I'll have him bring uh, some some bottles for us. Yeah, uh, yeah. I can, I can try to pour it back into the bottle. There we the go. Glass. That seems like it's a good idea. Um, you have a funnel, right? I, no, I'll just I'll just freehand this. <laughs> I'm not gonna do that. Um, okay, Glenn. Well, that means it's time to run this these facts through our proprietary uh, machine learning big data uh, algorithm based computer, the mustache twist scale computer. I almost didn't get that out, <laughs> but I did perfectly. Perfectly. Um, anyway, so Glenn, uh, hit me with some facts about this beer, and I will type them in as you were telling me that. The alcohol by volume is eight point two. Okay. There are nineteen IBUs. Uh, check. Yep, got that. Okay. okay. So, what was the uh, what was the price on this one, Glenn? Now this is this is a little tricky because the price for four of these bourbon barrel ales was eleven ninety nine. Ouch. That's which is pretty high. Which is very high. That's one of the, probably the highest that we've done. That is true. Before. Yeah. But my good friend Britt informs me that six packs of beer are one to two dollars more there oh, as okay. opposed to Lawrence, Kansas. And he knows this empirically because he lived in Lawrence, Kansas. Right. So, so he can compare. So if we say a four pack of around ten bucks. Ten, 10 bucks. Ten to ten fifty, something like that. So, so it's not terrible. No. Given just the you know eight, the eight percent bourbon barrel barrel bourbon barrel aged beers and stuff like that are usually right. kind of a little bit more so it's a little hot on the high side but not terrible terrible nope okay and yeah it's, it's almost nine percent alcohol so okay uh okay malt two row pale caramel 40 aromatic malt carapils and a malted wheat i wouldn't have expected the carapils but carapils yeah. was a wild card there. yeah that was that was interesting and okay. the tasting notes oak vanilla caramel top toffee that's and what toffee. it is and toffee okay 
and coffee. Okay. And how, and you said the price was eleven ninety nine. Eleven ninety nine, but adjusted for Louisville area code, which I'm typing in right now, <laughs> versus cost of living index, Lawrence, right. Kansas. Uh, beer known beer prices in the two areas. Hmm. Um, I think okay, so I think uh, that should be good enough for uh, the NTS computer to figure this out now. Hmm. Okay, okay. Uh, so let me go get this report. Um, once it comes off, it's coming off uh, momentarily, and we will know what the empirical rating for the Alltech, <laughs> the weird name, uh, Bourbon Barrel <laughs> Ale. Is okay. One second. I'll get to, sure get thing. I'll vamp some more. Uh, nope, I got it. Hey, oh, we got it. Hey, Brian. I uh, got it back. Okay, uh, so I got this report from the MBS computer. I'm not going to bore you with all the scientific details. There's a lot of census data for right. Louisville in here. We had different area codes. So. Different area codes, and you know, uh, you know, population differences, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm. But I can tell you that, uh, in fact. This uh, Alltech Bourbon Barrel Ale is rated an 8.45 on the NTS scale. It's a highly rated beer, my friend. Whew. Yeah, that was a lot. Okay. Got it done. That is... That's up there. 8.45 is not bad, especially given the price, but adjusting the price a little bit, it's not that high for what you're getting, mm-hmm. so not, not too terrible, actually. Okay, so Glenn, uh, that's good to know. Uh, and before we move on with our regular schedule episode we actually have a little bit of a, a another thing to, to do here real quick um this is another special thing that you brought back from from louisville yeah uh, tell, tell me about it i figure well everyone has heard well maybe not everyone but most many of you have heard about our infamous soju episode right episode maybe three of right. the gentleman podcast where this is before we i could tell you but i don't remember right we uh, we thought it'd be a good idea to rate hard liquor right. um, while we talked about things mm-hmm. into a microphone, and it turned out to be kind of problematic, especially 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 when especially uh, especially when we have a bottle of Korean alcohol where we right. can't read the label. Yes, didn't know much about it. Nope, and just downed it, and right. it. Um, I about fell asleep. Right, Brian was talking. I about, was talking about. Yeah. I don't know. 1970s yacht rock things. I don't even know yeah, what I was talking smooth about. Rock. Uh, but anyway, we just we made a pact after that that there would only never be only beers, only beers from now on. We're not really this is this is not so much of a departure from that pact because it's only 50 milliliters of um of lightning in a bottle. Lightning in a bottle. We have so when I was in Louisville, not to keep harping on this wonderful town, but I uh, we went to a we went to a uh, brandy distillery um, about a mile away from my friend's house and uh, they had all sorts of brandy brandy that tasted like bourbon it was incredible they had different types of brandy and then they also make I guess I guess it is technically absinthe brandy no right. absinthe brandy so they use the same botanicals as right. you get in, in absinthe so it should be like a similar taste but right. uh, and with the hallucinogens they've added those too <laughs> Uh, so I thought that would be helpful while we yeah. try to coherently yeah. and lucidly talk about So things. from here on, the episode should go just fine. <laughs> what could go wrong? So we each have about a shot uh, yeah. of absinthe. Right. Brian, are we doing? The, are we putting this through the paces of the MTS or just a little... Just a little. We don't have to. We'll just... No rating. We, we'll, just, we'll, just, we'll just give it a try and say if we're, if we're good, bad, or indifferent on it. Yeah. Um, so it is... Uh, absinthe has lots of botanicals in it. Let's just put it that way. Lots of botanicals and there's some alcohol in this, I think, too. 130 proof. Yeah. 65% alcohol? Yeah, I don't know. Something like it's that. It's a lot. It's a lot of alcohol. Well, bottoms up, buddy. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. All right, absinthe, my old friend. Ooh. Oh, oh, boy. Oh. oh, I can't get my nose in it. Uh, it's really. Oh my goodness gracious! Oh, oh, wow. Okay, so I think I picked the wrong glass for that. Oh yeah, it's too aromatic. Oh. It tasted like I inhaled a piece of licorice. It, yeah, it's like a somebody black, punched me black in the face with a <clears throat> licorice Just fist. a rope of licorice in the face. Ugh. Uh, I'll have another drink ooh, of it. Yeah, that sounds actually pretty good. You just can't. <laughs> you just can't breathe. <laughs> you just can't breathe before you do it. No, that's right. Because <laughs> uh. I can't even get uh. myself to drink it because I'm inhaling. Oh, boy. 
Mm. So, Glenn, do you like this or do you not like it? Um, no, I don't like it. <laughs> uh, you know what, though? Maybe Where'd if we... Where'd you go, Glenn? They... <laughs> Look, uh. Brian, you can't turn your nose up at this stuff because the greats. Uh, you ever heard of a guy named Ernest Hemingway? Maybe Never heard of him. James Joyce? Uh, Pablo Picasso? That Van was, this Gogh. was their drink, huh? This was their drink of choice. Now I'm, and you were you were kind of schooling me a little bit on absinthe. You seem to know quite a bit about the real stuff, Brian. Well, I know uh, that the um, stuff, in the, the illegal U- stuff, the the stuff in the U.S. is not considered uh, original That's style right. European absinthe. So yeah, due to the uh, due to the reduced um, psychedelic effects, right? However, I think they've figured out a way to bring that back. Um, in this brandied absinthe, because I'm... I'm certainly... I, I think I understand the taste of it better now. Um, but, but yeah. Well, anyway, it's good to, it's good to check it out and, yeah. and then move on. So I, you said no. I said maybe. I, I say maybe on, like, a special occasion. Yeah, different glass. Different glass. We, Brent, Ryan has, like, a fishbowl we're drinking out of here, it's, and it's... The, as the soon as flavor. you push your, <laughs> your face nose. into it, it's, your nose wants to invert. If I get your nose in it. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> um, I will say this. My sinuses are just clear. Yeah, it really does clear up the sciences. The sciences and sinuses. Yes, Oh, this episode's going to be great. Okay, Glenn. So what are we talking about from Gentleman.com the last two weeks or so in this in this episode? Hold on. i got to wash that absinthe down with some 8% alcohol. Yeah. Beer. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, the first hack we have is by our good buddy Razorback. Okay. And he has a boingboing.net article titled, How Adam West Played a Prank Using His Local Phone Book. And as we all know, Adam West passed away um, mm-hmm. last week. Yep. And he was a little bit of a prankster, apparently. Um, this uh, writer of the article... Uh, knew that Adam West was from Sun Valley, Idaho, or he lived in Sun Valley, Idaho, and he was there, and the writer was there for a conference, and he thought, and he thought, you know what, I'm going to pop up on the phone book and just see if you know Adam West's name is in the phone book, and so he does, and he finds, so he goes to West Adam, and you you see uh, dot 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 and over the right side of the page it says C Bruce or C Wayne Bruce millionaire, so. He says, okay. So he flips over to Wayne Bruce Millionaire, and it says, please consult crime fighters in the yellow pages. Hmm. Seems reasonable. Yeah. So he says, all right, this is nice. So goes to the crime fighters section, and it says, see Batman, white pages. And then he goes to the white page. White pa- <laughs> he goes to the white pages to Batman, and it says, see Adam West. So basically... So it's a, it's, he, he basically just took you on a journey around the phone book. He trolled anyone... Who was trying to look up Adam West. It's pretty smart. It's a very subtle, smart uh, way to mess with people. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, you, you keep you keep following because like at some point, don't keep drinking it, Brian. Just don't do it. <laughs> the look on your face is so great. It's like your teeth are trying to leave your face. I think they are. <laughs> In protest. Um, <laughs> anyway. It's a great little. It's it's a very light article. There's not a lot to it. But yeah, it no, got it's, a lot, it's a lot very of, cool. It's very smart. I wouldn't have expected that. And uh, you know they don't. Who uses phone book anymore? Exactly. But, uh, Adam West does apparently. Um, so that's cool. Uh, just another little uh, quirky thing that Adam West pulled off. Um, so yeah, if you're he, ever in uh, Sun Valley, check out the phone book there, just in case. Yeah, Sun Valley, Idaho. Yeah, looks like a ski resort town. Maybe I don't know. Not sure. I've never been there. The game is afoot. Uh, okay, Glenn. Well, thanks, uh, Razorback, for posting that. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about a little something that I posted to Gentleman.com, but it's something that's near and dear to our hearts. Um, and this was an article from AV Club, and it's called John Carpenter is Writing a New Big Trouble in Little China Comics Series. Mm. And when I saw the headline on AV Club, I at first <laughs> I saw the picture and I thought, oh, they're making a sequel. Right. To Big Trouble in Little China, but it turns out, no, this is just... This is just a comic series, but it's a sequel to Big Trouble Little China um, called Big Trouble Little China Old Man Jack, and it takes place years after the original um, Big Trouble Little China, 
and all the same, you know, a lot of the same characters, stuff like that. Um, but John Carpenter's, this is the first comic book series that John Carpenter's jumped in from the get-go and said, I'm going to help you write this and is going to be a part of it. Um, people keep hoping John Carpenter is going to do another movie, but he's kind of shied away from that. Instead, it just seems like he's doing his own things that he likes to do, like this comic book series. He's also put out actual music albums. Yes. Um, called Lost Theme and Lost Theme 2, which are basically, you know, John Carpenter, and for those of you who don't remember, did the theme songs to a lot of his movies just out of inability to hire somebody to do the yeah, music. Yeah, low budget. And they turned out to be one of the, some of the most iconic themes of all time. For instance, Halloween. Halloween, yeah. Uh, which everybody knows what it sounds like. It's amazing. Uh, and anyway, so so he, he, he knows a thing or two about music as well. Um, so anyway, he's done a couple albums, done some comic books. I don't know if he's ever going to make another movie, but he had a really awesome long movie career. Uh, Big Trouble Little China, um, The Thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, what's the one where where Rowdy Roddy, Rowdy Roddy Piper is the main character? They they live. They live. Yeah, they, they live. live. I love that movie. That's a good one, too. Um, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yeah, I mean, the guy is a legend. Halloween, I, I watch that every Halloween. It's a I fantastic movie. That's the um, only movie I watch at Halloween. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's the only one I need. That's, my, that's the one that I always go to. Um, so... John Carpenter's a hell of a movie maker. I I think every low-budget movie maker aspires to be able to do stuff like him. So, um, hey, I'll take a comic book. That's a step in the right direction. What are you going to do? That's right. Fan the flame a little bit. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. Maybe it steps in. He's like, oh, maybe I should make a movie out of this. And then we get a sequel to Big Trouble in Little China, the best movie of all time. So, the be- Yeah, it's historically. I've seen that in the movie theater. I own a copy <laughs> of it. You're the first person, I think, that introduced me to it. Really? I believe so. Uh, yeah, I was. I think I, I didn't think I had heard of it before that. And then we, we we might have rented it or we watched it or something, and it was pretty amazing. I don't remember the exact scenario. I think yeah. somebody told me about it. I was like, this is ridiculous. And I watched it, and I said, no, this is amazing. This is ama- yeah. <laughs> it, it has you from the first scene in the semi-truck. Yeah. The big sandwich. The big sandwich. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, well, yeah. we can keep our fingers crossed on that. In the meantime, I'm glad that something's moving forward, Big Trouble Little China related. That's right. It's good to go. A, right. a positive step in the right direction. Exactly. That's all I'm looking for. I don't need a mountain moved. Just a comic book's good enough. And I will say a little break here, Brian. A little side. Now it. Now hang on. So we're looking at our glasses with the absinthe. Right. It's cloudy. It's cloudy. This is this is a, freaking me out. They, they said this would happen okay. because the water. The uh, water releases some the toxins. Right. And so now the hallucinogens. <laughs> we start. Sni- so it doesn't smell as strong. Yeah. 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 The- and it actually. It, well, it still sells strong. I think it's just my nose hair is burned off. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's actually, it doesn't taste as strong, now, obviously, right. because the water is... Right. So, uh, if you're into absinthe, or, or, or want to try it, the non-hallucinogenic kind like we have... This is the dumbed-down American legal yes. version of this stuff, yes. I should have mentioned. This isn't like any this kind of This is the Coors weird, Light. Yeah, this is like... Absinthe. Yeah, this is not really real uh, mm-hmm. scary absinthe. I shouldn't say scary, just, you know... It's 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 powder, It's drinkable now. It's just like yeah. It's not. It's a, it was actually a little different now. I can kind of taste it. I I, yeah. I kind of. It's kind of fun. Okay. Now that the burn has worn off. Um. All right. So last up. Yeah. Zombie cat bacon posted a tack that resonated with a lot of people. Mm. Uh. And for good reason because it's titled "What Canadians Understand About Ketchup Chips That Americans Don't." Another AV Club article, Brian. Yep. They're putting out some good stuff. Um. And this. <clears throat> article is about the author's experience growing up in Canada with ketchup flavored potato chips, right? Um, which are almost exclusively found in Canada. Mm. Uh, you can go on Amazon and Amazon and buy them for like thirteen dollars a bag. Yeah, um, but <clears throat> the the article talks about how the stigma that's associated. You know, Americans think he thinks it's ironic that Americans can't stand the thought of ketchup-flavored potato chips when we put ketchup on everything. It's true. And we also fry everything. Yep. And and so, anyway, the, the, the author talks about how they're such a hit in Canada. And the interesting thing about ketchup chips, have you ever seen them in the store? I think so, yes. I have, too. Yeah. And maybe there's a difference between Canadian-made ketchup chips and American-made, which I would believe. Yeah. But he says that... The difference is that, or the, the the thing about the ketchup chips is that it's actually not like ketchup. It's just the parts of ketchup that you like. So there's like vinegar, okay, and the tomato taste. But so it's it, not like dipping a chip. Yeah, in ketchup. it doesn't taste like that. Right. Uh, it's like you're going to McDonald's and dipping chips. You know, which would be disgusting. Um, and so anyway, 
It, it's interesting. I, I, I really liked it. Uh, it goes into the history of the ketchup potato chip. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was an interesting to read. Do you, have you ever had ketchup potato chips? I think I have, but okay. it was a long, long time ago. I want to say about this that I actually f- first discovered the, the, uh, the regional nature of potato chips yeah. based on going to Australia and living oh. there. Because they have things there that we don't have, which are pretty awesome. Yeah, I believe it. Uh, they have some interesting chip styles. One of them's ketchup, I believe. I believe they have ketchup. They call it tomato sauce there, though. So it's like tomato sauce flavored uh, <laughs> chips. But the, my favorite ones are these things called burger rings. And they're basically like Funyuns, except they are quote-unquote burger flavored. So it's like a, it's like a different tasting Funyun kind of thing. <laughs> and I used to always get them... Uh, you know, if I'd go out to a pub or something like that, uh, they, they always had chips available yeah. close to the bar. They call them crisps. Yeah, you yeah. order the crisps, and uh. that's kind of what you do is if you need a little snack or something, you get some crisps off the bar. And they always had the burger rings, so I always got those. Uh, they also have stuff like uh, meat pie flavored chips, I believe. I, I think that I think that's true. Um, I don't know. There's a couple other things. There, I don't remember them all, but I remember burger rings, and then there's like one or two other ones that I would gravitate towards while I was there. So... Does it taste like a burger? No, it's it's like the it's like the description of the ketchup yeah. chip that it doesn't really taste like a burger. It just it's like a you know it's a little bit more smoky or something about it, and it's not really a burger flavor. Right, but it's just a little different flavor yeah. to it. I mean, so. I love pizza flavored Pringles. Those yeah. are good. I yeah. Um, I was trying to think of other ones. I mean, if you think about it, taco flavored chips. I like taco oh, flavored man. chips. Yeah, <laughs> they don't taco taste Doritos. like tacos. No, they don't. But they taste delicious. They that's taste. For sure. They taste wonderful. So, I get it. It's it's just something about ketchup. And that's the thing, too, is that Laura had never heard of Taco Doritos. And I grew up with Taco Doritos. But apparently they just shoved that on the Midwesterners. What does that say about us, Brian? I don't know. I don't know what they say. I don't know. These guys will eat anything. Yeah. (laughs) Those highfalutin East Coasters, they're not going for the Taco Doritos. Uh, Little do they know what they're missing out on, though. Caviar Lays? What aisles are they? Uh, anyway, Glenn. Well, uh, hopefully we should get a hold of some of these uh, Canadian ketchup <laughs> chips and give it a shot. We might have to spring for a bag and yeah, eat them on I air. I think he said that there's some American versions, but he's not sure if they match what is available in uh, Canada. Which I would believe. Yeah. There's a lot. That that happens a lot with a lot of foods. I mean, you can, you I guess can, you can buy Canadian made Lay's for $13 a bag on Amazon. Yeah. Because you can buy everything. Oh, okay. Amazon. Canadian Canadian made Lay's. Okay. Yeah. So... Some guy who's buying them at a supermarket exactly. and like every Yeah, right. <laughs> making millions of dollars off of it. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure. a Canadian, aren't I? Yeah. Canadian hey. lays. Um, okay, Glenn. Well, that's uh, some interesting posts from Gentleman.com the last two weeks or so. Thanks, Zombie Cat Bacon, for posting lots of awesome stuff. And Razorback. Razorback. And myself. Thanks to myself. Thanks, Brian. Um, and now, Glenn, it's time for the toast this week. Mm-hmm. And we just mentioned earlier in the episode... Uh, Adam West unfortunately passed away last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't feel right to do this episode without toasting uh, Batman himself, uh, the first Batman that I remember. Uh, That's right, Adam West. Me too. I grew up uh, when I was a kid. They showed reruns of the 1966 through 68 run series Batman that Adam West started in. Started in. Started in. Then. Yes. And it was the height of campiness. Did you hear that? I did. What the hell was that? Are your couches talking? I think... I don't know what the hell that was. <laughs> um, Absinthe kicking in. <laughs> <laughs> it was the height of campiness. You yep. know, it was the bath boom. Yep. Bach. Of... Uh, pow! Pow. Uh, Zap! The most ridiculous storylines, the most ridiculous villains. Joker. Uh, well, I was thinking of King Tut. King I, I never saw any of the King oh Tut. Oh, my gosh. He was like a... I don't even want to go into it. Uh, the henchman, you know, yeah. and all that stuff. Batman and Robin. But I loved that show when I was a kid. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. And uh, I watched it all the time. And so he was the first Batman that I knew. Yep. Um, and uh, a kinder, gentler Batman, I, I dare to say. That's um, right. But, uh, but yeah, and so Adam West had a long career, actually, after Batman. Batman only lasted as a series for two years. He did a movie in that time as well for the Batman thing, but mm-hmm. after that, it was over with. And uh, he was actually offered the role of James Bond 
1970, turned it down because he said that he felt that James Bond should always be played by a British actor. Wow. Well done, Mr. West. Um, wow. And, uh, yeah. Wait, has that hold true? Yes. Yeah, it has. I believe so. Yep. Yeah, everybody's yep. been British. Yep. yep. Uh, and uh, so... That's why I haven't been asked yet. Yeah, I know. I was kind of wondering myself. But, okay. uh, he, but he did have a long career in doing voiceover work parts and like little parts in different movies i look through his filmography and it's super long there's like 40 movies that he's been in but he's always just kind of like a an extra character he always kind of was associated with the the batman role and typecast due to it mm-hmm. um later on in the years one of the most things i remember him for is being in the simpsons a couple times oh yeah um, yeah which he does just a little segment of but the, what's great about adam west was that he was very self-deprecating mm-hmm. he didn't mind making stuff making fun of himself and you know joking around with the fact that he used to be batman and stuff like that uh, so that was really cool because a lot of these people get annoyed by you know doing something for two years in 1966 and then being known for it for the rest of our lives. Right. But it didn't seem like Adam West ever felt like that. He always kind of appreciated it and played along with the things that would come around. In fact, there was an example from his career where uh, they were, there was going to do an episode uh, of a TV show that involved him basically playing a character that was eerily similar to a failed former superhero character and they almost just canceled it because they felt so bad about how it was sort of i mean not really making fun of him but you know it it was it wasn't exactly painting him in a positive light until he insisted that no it's fine he's like i'd love to play a character like this and you know and do it and so he's he's always been very good natured about the whole situation Hmm. so i think that's really cool about adam west um and he's a prankster and he's a prankster he does the yellow book pranks i mean come on who couldn't love a guy like that so anyway uh, I just wanted to raise a toast to the, the original Batman, uh, rest in peace, and thanks for you know creating a series that I will always love. I'm going to have to go back and watch some of those old, uh, yeah. old Batmans. Um, I'd love to revisit that from my childhood. I haven't watched them in many years. but I just remember, I, I remember watching one, like the first time I saw it, and I just thought it was the most bizarre thing, but I loved it. Right. It was but so the, weird. The, the whole weird, the, the words coming on the screen, pow, right. you know, right. I'm just like, what? <laughs> yeah. It's it's very, very 1960s, just kind of mm-hmm. weird stuff, but I thought it was really cool when I was a kid, and it's probably still kind of cool. So, anyway. All right, Glenn. Well, that means it's time for the uh, hot <laughs> button topic. topic. Uh, and this week, Glenn, uh, I found this little article. Look, we've been harping on, we don't want to brag too much, but we did create the Mustache Twist Scale Computer, the world's only empirical, scientific, algorithm, machine learning-based computer that rates beers. Yes. We did this because we felt like there were rating sites out there, but they were very skewed shall we say, mm-hmm. towards uh, snobbiness. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that they were not only skewed towards snobbiness, there may be some nefarious activity going on on some of your favorite beer rating sites. Now, mm. this doesn't pertain to beersnob.com. Nope. Let's be clear. This pertains to a little site called Rate Beer, which is a competitor to beersnob.com. Uh, <laughs> Rate Beer is one of the most well-known places that is built around the concept of rating beers right as their name implies right uh these guys built a business a website a business out of rating beers Mm -hmm. the idea is that people show up and they rate beers yep and then they compile they they compile the score and then they show the rating for those aggregate score right okay so that's that's pretty much what's supposed to happen okay on the site okay um so apparently in october of 2016 Rate Beer received a investment slash partial buyout from AB InBev. Huh. Does that sound familiar? It's, I, I've heard of that. It's actually the world's largest beer company. Oh, uh, Anheuser Busch InBev mm. uh, bought bought a partial buyout of Rate Beer. Now, the, the site is based along based along based on compiling ratings of beer uh and some people said hey there might be a conflict of interest here if this brewery that's in charge of a third of the world's beers mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. have you know 10 percent of the brands on rate beer 
uh, there's a little bit of conflict of interest there. And it turns out a statistician had a deep dive into some previous rankings of brewing companies before the buyout and after the buyout. Uh-oh. And what he found was kind of disturbing. Uh, InBev stood at 74, and after the buyout, they stood at 90. <laughs> and so they might say there was a little confusion there. And so they contacted this uh, this article from Pace Magazine. They contacted uh, Rate Beer. And they said, hey, we've noticed a little, I don't know, disturbance in the force with your ratings. <laughs> and the owner of the company replied, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We just had broken ratings. We were trying to make it more SEO friendly for Google. It's and Google's fault, really. It's not really, you know, uh, it doesn't... It doesn't benefit uh ab and vev at all it's it just it happened across the board and we're very sorry we're gonna try to get it fixed we didn't notice oops well sorry we'll see you later um <laughs> bye bye and that was that was the thing and so of course this uh this article really didn't take it uh at face value they went back and looked at a, a few different independent craft brewers that had you know a significant amount of ratings that should have had a similar bump in in ratings and and things like that and what they actually found was that was a bunch of bs and that uh abc imbev or ab imbev did get kind of a, a special bump from from that accidental mistake from from buying partially buying their company right right yeah and then all of a sudden it's like a it's like a good you know mm. I, I couldn't imagine do you honestly think that the AB InBev buys this site rate beer and they're like, look, our the lowest the lowest score is fifty on their scale. And they're at seventy four. Do you honestly think that that company's not like, hey, you wanna bump mm-hmm. us a little bit because we own half the site now. So Yeah, inflate a little bit. Right. We brought our own web developers. We're gonna have them come <laughs> work on your site. Show us your algorithm. Right, exactly. <clears throat> Uh, so anyway, there's a lot of controversy about uh, this, Glenn. Brian, I so I was a little perplexed. I went and looked up Bud Light Lime, right? And it said 95. Mm. I, I feel like that might have been uh, yeah. <clears throat> that seems a little, a little high. No, I made that up. I yeah. didn't look it up, but but I won't use Rate Beer anymore. I'll go back to Beer Snob, I guess. Beer Snob apparently is the bastion of trust in yeah. ratings now. Now they're not going to be accurate, but no. at least you know they're not cooking the books, right, Brian? Maybe. Well. well until MBF buys them. We have the world's only scientific, empirical, right. unbiased computer system. Now, if AB MBEV were to buy a controlling stake in the mustache twist scale computer, I look, I don't know if the podcast the previous podcast, the ratings would all improve on A B stuff. They go, I don't know. I don't you go know. back and re listen to episodes. Brian, what do you give it? Eighty five. <laughs> 8.9. Budweiser, 9.2. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> what a great deal for this beer. It's very good. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what would happen. Look, I... We don't we we deal in reality, right? right. We, we don't we, deal in hypotheticals. This is... Yes. So, you know... We do not negotiate with beer conglomerates. That's right. Well, sometimes yet. we would, if depending if on the, we we would. Yeah, yeah maybe. we probably would. <laughs> uh, but Glenn, so what do you think about this uh, rate beer not really rating beers? Brian, I, I think it just. Uh, am I surprised? No. You know, I mean, I'm I think not. it just goes to show that there needs to be an independent. That's right. Unbiased. Right. Third party. To we're like the ombudsman for these sites. That's right. We're, we're we're the we're the we're the people that are going to stand up and give the real deal on this stuff. Uh, so look, I'm just I'm just putting that out there. Uh, you can trust us uh, until you hear about us secretly selling part of our company to AB and Bev. We're just with that caveat, gentleman Bev, gentle, gentle yeah. Bev. Here's the thing. Okay. Okay. I won't change this, but I'll change everything else. I'm not going to change this. If you go back and you listen to every previous episode for the AB InBev stuff, and they seem slightly askew to what you would imagine the MTS computer would do, maybe, I don't know, maybe something's been changed, maybe it hasn't, I don't know. I'm not going to say one way or the other, That's but one hand washes the other. That's true. And... One hand puts the cash in the hand of the other. That's right. One hand opens the bottle. Right. The other hand drinks it. 
Some anyway. deep thoughts on this hot button topic, well, okay. right? Well, yeah. It's really not that so hot really, button I, In conclusion, I would like to say that I don't really blame AB InBev <laughs> for uh, this situation at all. In fact, I think that this was obviously a mistake on Rate Beer's part. Mm-hmm. Uh, clearly a mistake. and It's got to be Google's fault. I blame Google. Yep. It's SEO. SEO. Black Hat SEO That's stuff. That's right. Is just out of control. They had a rogue engineer. I Yes. I'm That's sure that he's happened. been let go from the company now. So, As well he should. Yeah. Um, so anyway. So keep going to Rate Beer, guys. Yes. I would like to announce our partnership <laughs> with Rate Beer. Um, Slash InBev. <laughs> Uh, okay, Glenn. Well, that's no, that's not true. That's never going to happen. Never. Um, we can take that to the bank. Uh, you can take that to the bank. We won't be taking that to the bank. Not yet. Um, okay, Glenn. Well, that means it's time for the final segment of mm. the gentleman ma- podcast, uh, which is questions from the gentleman mailbag. Mm. And Glenn uh, had had a good week this week. Yes, had some good stuff happen to me. Yes, I uh, had a cel- celebratory, celebratory, celebratory. Celebratory thing that happened in my life. Yes. But I'm not going to go into it. But what happened was I needed to go out and celebrate. Yes. And so my question is, what if so if you have if you had something you're waiting on for two years or something and it comes through mm. and uh, you're super excited about it and you just want to go out and celebrate, what's your what what's your dream scenario of you going out there and uh, just letting loose and celebrating for a night on, on something good that's happened to you? My dream scenario, no constraints, no restrictions, no monetary mm-hmm. uh, okay. r- limitations at all. I would I'd probably fly to Gotta fly. Fly to the coast, probably maybe the Florida Keys somewhere. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah. Sit out sit out on a boat and uh, watch the sun go down. Right. A few uh, Peruvian cigars. Right. Um Completely legal. From the Peruvian. highlands of Peruvia, yeah, per, yeah. Peru, mm-hmm. and um, <clears throat> highlands of Peruvia, mm-hmm. and then, uh, yeah, do that. That would be good. That would be a good <clears throat> thing. Yeah. I would say, uh, so I, my thing would be, I, I'd hop on a plane, too. I, I'd fly out to probably New Zealand. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, just go down there. I wasn't thinking big enough. Go to the beach and uh, just have some, just have some cocktails and some watch the chips. sunset in the in uh, New Zealand and sit back and enjoy it. Now, if I was going to scale that back and say, what did I, what did I do right. Right. in real life? What did you do to celebrate? You know, Absent. go to New Zealand. Uh, no, I didn't do that. Yeah. Uh, but what I did do was I went to Texas Roadhouse. Nice. So that was uh, that was a big uh, that was a big thing. Uh, yeah. See. I was planning on this thing to happen 10 months ago, mm-hmm. and it didn't happen. And uh, I told we got a new Texas Roadhouse in town. We did. And uh, I don't really like chain restaurants normally, mm-hmm. but I like the steak at Texas Roadhouse. There's something about it that's very good. And mm-hmm. so I told Laura, she's like, oh, should we go? Because I know you like this place. Should we go to Anna? No, not until this thing happens. Oh. And so then it took 10 months. Oh, that's a... And uh, so we finally had it. will. Yeah, exactly. And so we finally went over to Texas Roadhouse... Uh, we did that. We went out and got a couple of drinks at some local uh, establishments here in Lawrence. Had a nice night. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was low-key. But awesome. the important part is who you celebrate with. That's right. Not necessarily where you're at. Well, sometimes it's where you're at, too. It but, helps. Uh, the Florida Keys would be awesome. I'll tell you what, man. I, I would take my family and friends with Florida Keys and just hang out for a week. That would be a blast. I'm a convert. I'm a convert to the Florida Keys after our trip that we took about a month ago. It. I would love to go back and yeah. just spend another week there, and you know, it's a good, very relaxing place. It's very laid back, very chill, and you can kind of do whatever you want, and uh, no one cares. No one cares. Yeah, everybody. Everybody does their own thing. Yep. Doesn't really. Doesn't really care what you're doing. Uh, I, what I liked about it was you just like we had this routine where basically every day we'd get up and we go to this trailer slash <clears throat> coffee shop slash cafe i guess it was mm-hmm. kind of a mixed bag of things right but we just it was something there's something cool about the place and you just go and you sit and they're like oh hey how's it going guy you know like you're yeah. you're part of their you know well mm-hmm. you know it's like cheers for a right. tropical island so yeah with a family <laughs> yeah um but yeah it, I, I liked it a lot it's just yeah. a laid-back kind of feel yeah yeah it's australia like that i I, get, I have this romanticized notion of australia being very laid back and kind of in, in that nature <sighs> 
Yeah, I would say it's a little bit more laid back, but not crazy. Mm-hmm. It's very much its own distinct kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, New Zealand's uh, a little different than Australia. And mm-hmm. the, But they're both, yeah. They're, but I would say the thing about that sticks out to me about Australia and New Zealand is that they're very isolated. So it's a very strong-knit mm-hmm. community. Uh, so yeah. when you're off on the edge of the world together... Then you you come together yeah. as a society, and you you know it seems like you're very close knit on stuff. Yeah. If you see somebody out with their car broke down, you stop and you help them. That's yeah. just how it works, you know. And then I think that just comes from being. My own perception is that it comes from being kind of isolated out there, uh, because you do Makes have sense. that feeling as that when you're in Australia, you're kind of out in the middle of nowhere, basically. A lot of natural forces working against you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you got to come together. Sometimes you got to punch a kangaroo. Uh, no matter how big he is. Um. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, but yeah. Um. But yeah, I would. That, my my dream scenario would be hopping on hopping a flight over to New Zealand. That's a good one. Because you, you get over there right when the sun's coming up. Touchdown. Go grab a drink, relax a little bit, and uh, some fish and chips. That's all I need. Burger rings. Some burger rings to, to cap off the night. What's yeah. the other ones you like? Some there's some kind of oh the meat pies. There's there's like a meat pie favorite. I think. Well, I mean sure. just meat pies in general. Oh no, I love meat. Pies. Yeah, 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 they're yeah. very good. Yes. I gotta try this one day. Yeah, uh, someday. Okay. Well, well, next time I have to celebrate, uh, we'll, we'll just hop on a plane. We're going over. to Australia. Yeah, maybe. We'll, just, we'll just hop on a flight and go over. Uh, okay, Glenn. Well, that means it's time for the end of episode one sixteen. Um, worked out pretty well, despite the absence. I feel like uh, <laughs> there was only one hallucination. I think. Right. Um, so we thought the couch was talking. Right. I don't know. But other than that, uh, everything was fine. Yeah. Uh, so that worked out well really well thank you Britt for the beer yes. uh, that we rated absolutely and thank you for the Peruvian cigars that we're going to smoke after this yes uh, the so. heart of Peruvia mm-hmm. exactly uh, okay Glenn well let's get to that mm-hmm. immediately um, I'm Brian McKinney I'm Glenn Stansberry thanks for listening to episode 116 we'll see you in two weeks for episode 117 thanks for listening everybody good night cheers cheers